Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Growing up, I was often the babysitter for my younger sisters. And as of this week, all of them are now in their 30s. I was the one to do everything for them in those days, change diapers, prepare meals, put them to sleep. So I figured I was pretty experienced and knew just what to expect when my wife and I found out that we were going to have a daughter. It was a little more than 13 years ago now. And I knew what it meant to have a baby girl, or so I thought. And I remember seeing the picture of the ultrasound and hearing the news and just wondering about what it would be like to have a daughter of our own. A little girl looking up at me, looking up to me. And my role would be to protect her, to set an example, to teach her, to show her love and care for her. I guess that's some of what it means to be a parent. There's probably more. When our daughter was uh, just about five months old, well, we, we do what you do around that time. We took her to Cabo. Yes, it's true. Well, we got a great deal on a vacation and uh, got our passports and packed up our infant to go to Mexico. Brilliant. Uh, to be fair, a five-month-old is much easier than a three-year-old. Uh, and we arrived okay, uh, minus our baggage. Yes, thankfully we had all the baby items and that was fine, but we had none of our grown-up clothes. <laughs> no toiletries, not even swimsuits. So we fumed and fought and did what we could do to make the best of it, enjoying the resort as much as we could with a five-month-old. What were we thinking? And our bags arrived the last day of the vacation. Yeah, we survived. So apparently I'm still learning this parenting stuff, and God makes me humble every day. Because there's always surprises along the way, right? And we can't know what will happen with our children in the future. The best we can do is to do our best. We get to listen, to provide guidance, to model responsibility, Will they be successful? We have questions. Will they get hurt? Will they find someone to love? Will they grow up and leave home? Will they have faith? I wonder and worry about that one. We earn the right to do so as parents, to worry, I guess. And when I look back now, I wonder, how did time go so fast? Just yesterday, she was crawling under church pews on Sunday morning and going to story time at the library, and mommy and me events. She'll be a teenager this year. Oh, I know, we should go to Cabo. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take a, a lot of mental gymnastics if you're a parent to understand how Jairus feels about his daughter in this story. She's gravely ill. Naturally, he would do anything to find a way to heal her. Now this guy, he's an important man. He's a, a wealthy benefactor of the synagogue. And we can expect he's got all the needed resources at his disposal. And nothing has worked. He's certainly heard of Jesus. And word, when word gets out that he's nearby, Jairus goes to him. 
And shockingly, he falls at the feet of Jesus and begs him. This wealthy leader begs that Jesus would only come and lay his hands on her and bring healing. He's humbled before the Lord. And Jesus agrees to go. And you can sense his fear in the story. His daughter is 12 years old, same as mine. He wants her to be well. More than that, he wants a future for her. In that culture, she was at an age where she's nearly ready to be married, to go off and have a family of her own, to have children. His expectations, his hopes and dreams rest on Jesus healing his daughter. And time is passing fast. She is nearly gone. Before they can get very far, though, the crowds all around, Jesus is interrupted. A woman without a name sees him. And she's suffered for as many years as Jairus' daughter has suffered. As many years as Jairus' daughter has lived, she's been bleeding. She has an extended menstruation, 12 years of bleeding. And what that means for her is she's unable to be a part of the community, unable to bear children herself. She's not fulfilled the dreams and hopes that she has had for the future. And her condition has kept her from participating in religious rituals, maybe even forced her to live apart from her family. She has no wealth that we know of, no name even. But she knows Jesus can heal her. If only she could touch his clothes, so she pursues him. She reached out a hand. And Jesus knew immediately and asks the question, who touched my clothes? But the disciples laugh. You must be joking, right? The crowd is all around. It's everywhere. Like a goal line defense, like a rugby scrum, they're all over him. Like Fremont Street on a Friday night. And like a, like a fullback, she just punches through the crowd, pushes through the massive amount of people to touch Jesus. And they're supposed to be going to heal this sick girl, not looking around in this massive crowd for some woman without a name. Jesus, you're, you're joking, right? Why are you wasting time? We got to go. He wasn't joking. He knew she was there, and in no time at all, she was healed. So he takes the time to find her and to see her. He calls her daughter. By faith, she finds new life, new possibilities, new hope, new future. For Jairus, though, for his daughter, her time was up. And the neighbors came to tell him the news. She was dead. They were already planning the funeral. The neighbors came to tell him, and that was it. What would he do? Would he walk away? Would he give up? Was this sacrifice, his humbling of himself, was it all in vain? There's no point, they tell him. Just come home. But Jesus speaks Maybe the most important words we ever need to hear. Do not fear. Only believe. 
I believe. I believe that there are things in this nation that need healing. I believe the church is not dead, but changing. I believe that we are better together than we are alone. And I believe that God's desired future for us, for our daughters and sons, is better than we can even imagine. And I believe that God's word is true. Jesus is the one that heals us every single time. Maybe the difficult part is that healing doesn't always look like jumping off the couch. Let's have some lunch. I feel much better now. Time to go to work. It doesn't mean we always get the healing that we want. And it rarely comes as quickly as we'd like. It might even come with pain. But healing comes through the living and abiding word of God. And it's the same word that moves in this church and in others, in Sunday school classes, and youth groups, and council meetings, and national gatherings, and late night conversations, and silent prayers. Ultimately, what does time mean to God? It means everything to us, though. If only he had more time, we think. Make good use of your time. Don't waste your time. Take your time kids grow up and we get old and we die and life moves fast faster than we'd like and we know it and so we get afraid if we think we don't have enough time or if we live with regrets we will be afraid that time is running out on us but if we trust if we trust that we've done our best if we trust we have made good use of our time we are grateful for the time we share we will be at peace most of all we trust in jesus who is the source of life and hope and healing and know that all the time we have is jesus time so it's time to live in that light of jesus it's time to share the hope that we have in jesus it's time to claim the expectation of healing and grace and mercy that we have in jesus Jesus leaves the crowds behind, and when he gets to the house, the only ones allowed in were Peter and James and John. So many were outside weeping and mourning. You can picture it. It's a familiar ritual. And he tells them, the child is sleeping, not dead. And they laugh at him again. Do they laugh because they know so well that she is surely dead, or is it kind of a nervous laugh are they afraid with the parents and his disciples he goes into the room and he sees her lifeless body the gospel writer here translates the aramaic saying for us he says little girl get up he commands her get up and in no time at all she responds she is alive and to prove it he tells them to feed her one of these details, just like the laughing disciples and, and the food, it's an eyewitness account. This story happened. But it's no longer just a healing story. No, this girl was dead. And now she's alive. With a word, Jesus raises her to new life. With all its possibilities and purpose in the fulfillment of the promises of God. 
can it be? We have questions when we hear this stuff. Another story that leaves us scratching our heads maybe. And it makes us wonder. There are things we're trying to figure out. Why didn't everyone who touched him in that crowd get healed? Why did Jesus have to go and lay hands on her in the first place? Couldn't he just have said, go, your faith has made you well. Why did he tell them to keep this healing a secret? But you have your cross-shaped lenses on, right? We understand time mattered to Jesus. Fully human, Jesus lived in time and history, and he had a limited amount of time here to bring healing to people, to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven, to cast out demons and prepare his disciples for what was going to happen. And in time, he would go to the cross to take all our fears, all our faithless longings, all our pain and disgrace, our sickness, and humbling himself to death on that cross to make us free. He dies so that we can have life. He is raised just like that little girl was raised, fully God. He is raised to give healing to the whole creation. We need that, right? We need healing. We are so often afraid because we feel like it's not going to come. Or we feel alienated from one another. Or we are afraid for the future. Or afraid for those who have been made victims. For those who suffer and are separated from their families. From their community. From being fully embraced or included. In a couple of weeks, Ivy and I are going back to Mexico. This time we'll be visiting with refugees there. Over the border, we'll be in worship with about 200 people on the Mexico side of the border and 100 on the U.S. side. I don't know exactly what to expect, but I look forward to sharing the experience with you. Later that week, I'll be with church leaders from across the country teaching and learning together in San Diego. And they're wondering some of the same things that we are. Carrying the same questions. How will we live into the future together? How will we effectively and efficiently share faith in our congregations and with our neighbors? What will we become? There's so much we can do together with a little time and trust in Jesus. My dear church, it's time to live without fear. To welcome the life that Jesus brings. To speak out. To call out evil. To trust in the one who rules at the right hand of God, who's calling us each day to love him, to serve our neighbors, to give of ourselves, to to crazy, throw out seeds of faith, to bring healing where we are able. Do not fear, only believe. Believe in Jesus, believe in love, and trust that each moment we live is a moment we have been given to share the love of God in our lives, and that Jesus is always healing us. Amen.